0: to curdled ink one woman's tirade against poor writing and problematic romance. My name is Lee, and this is episode 24, chapter 24 of Fifty Shades of Grey. As usual, content warnings will be listed in the episode description, and if I've missed any, please feel free to let me know. I'm happy to go back and add them. This chapter starts off the next morning in Christian's hotel room in Georgia. Anna has spent the night. She wakes up the next day, you know, goes into the like dining area in the suite that Christian is staying in, and it's early as fuck. He's woken her up at like 5 30 in the morning, and Christian is telling her to eat. She's like, No, I'm not hungry yet. It's early as fuck. I don't even know why we're awake this early. She's like, I'm gonna have my tea now. I'll eat later. Is that okay? and he's like, fine, whatever. She says, I want to roll my eyes at you. And Christian is like, by all means, please do. It'll make my day because he has decided on a rule that if she rolls her eyes at him, he gets to punish her. And she goes, well, a spanking would wake me up, I suppose. And that's just this beautiful little moment to me in my head canon that I've come up with where I think that Anna is actually a brat, and that's why she thinks she's bad at being submissive. I think I've said this on the podcast before. She thinks she's bad at being submissive because Christian wants a sub who will obey without question, and Anna is a brat. And so she will obey after she is sassy about it this just shows how well she would do bratting if Christian would let her. That's my personal opinion, but also I'm not a brat, so. So they leave the hotel. Christian is driving them somewhere. Again, we don't know where just yet. He wants to surprise her. Through the course of their conversation, we learn, and Anna learns, about Layla, who is one of Christian's ex-submissives. Their relationship ended because... Layla wanted more. In the same way, it's implied in the same way that Anna wants more. He says he's never wanted more before he met Anna, which, of course, of course, she's the specialist girl. She's using her special innocent sheltered girl powers to change him and bring him back from this dark, evil, kinky world that he has been steeped in. So, of course, she's the one who's going to make him want a more traditional romance in his relationship with her. Oh yeah, we also learn, I knew this this was going to come up, I said this in a past episode, we learn Mrs. Robinson's real name. Her real name is Elena, and from here on out, she will be referred to as Elena instead of Mrs. Robinson, so I'm gonna do my best to remember that. I might trip up at some point and be like, Elena, who the fuck is Elena? Because I remember doing that last time I read through part of these books. I kept being like, who the fuck are they talking about? Because I had gone almost an entire book referring her to her as Mrs. Robinson, and now in, like, one of the last chapters in the book, she is suddenly Elena. So we'll see how that goes. Page 448. So they're talking about Christian's exes, and he says he's only been in four serious relationships besides Elena, Mrs. Robinson, and Anna wants to know what happened to those other four, why their relationship ended. And Christian says, one met someone else, the other three wanted more. I wasn't in the market for more then. Okay, first of all, see my previous comment about Anna being the specialist girl, but also, like, that more is doing, once again, so fucking much heavy lifting. Do they want more as in a conventional romance that you didn't want and you weren't invested enough to try out? or are you being an unreliable narrator and their more, quote-unquote, that they wanted was you actually taking into account their needs and wants and boundaries and you just weren't willing to do that work? It's a thinker. The world may never know, but I have my suspicions. So they get to their destination. It turns out Christian is taking Anna gliding, which... I talked about this a little bit in the Patreon episode. When I think of gliding, I think of what I think is called hang gliding, where you have like the giant kite thing and you like hang onto a bar on the bottom of it and you're just kind of strapped in and you like jump off a cliff or something. I don't know. I've never been hang gliding, so I don't know the details, but like that's my image when I think of gliding. So imagine my surprise when they get to this airfield and what's actually happening is they get... into a little plane like a just a little like two-seater one in front of the other little airplane with no engine and they have another guy in another plane tow them up into the air and then so they're like connected to this other plane by a cable and then he releases the cable and they just kind of like float gently down to the ground like a leaf on the wind and so that's their version of gliding. That's the version of gliding that Christian does. He also calls it soaring. So I had no idea that was a thing. So I learned that. I guess I relearned it because I have read through part of this series once before, but that's that's their date. That's what they're doing this morning. And so they're in the plane. They're up in the air. They've been released from the other plane and they're just like floating on down towards the ground. And at one point, Christian has Anna like take... So, okay, hold on. <laughs> so they're in this, this little tube cedar plane and each one of them has like a joystick to control the plane. Christian's the one's driving for most of the time because he actually fucking knows what he's doing. But at one point he has Anna take control of the plane. He's like, grab your joystick. You're doing this now. And it's for like a few seconds and then he takes over again. And like Anna is like fine with it. She's cool with it. She's like, oh shit, this is scary, but it's fun. Okay, cool. I however would have freaked out in that situation. (laughs) And I'm not like, you know, that's me. I'm not Anna. I'm a different person. But this is another one of those situations. Like, it's not just the kink where he really should be getting a little bit more consent and having a little bit more discussion before he just does these things, it's also, like, so much of the rest of their relationship, including this gliding thing, that's kind of a big thing to just spring on someone. (laughs) Either discuss it with them beforehand, be like, hey, do you want to try this? Or if they're in the moment and you're like, okay, you take control for a second, I'm right here if you need me, but take control, and they say no, you give them an out he did neither of those things. He took the third option, which was where he was like, take control. And she was like, uh, and he's like, no, seriously, take control. Do it. She's like, okay. And like, it was fine. It worked out fine. But like, still that just like consent is not just for the bedroom. Consent and respecting boundaries is for all aspects of your relationship. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. So the other thing, when they got to the, the airfield the, where they were going gliding, Christian introduces Anna to this other pilot who's going to be, like, towing them up. She, he introduces Anna to this guy as, this is my girlfriend. So in the car ride back afterwards, Anna's like, hey, that was cool that you introduced him as, or you introduced me to him as your girlfriend. Like, I thought you wanted a submissive. Sweetheart, those two terms are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I would be willing to bet that there is more overlap than, you know, separation between submissive and boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever gender. You know? Like, a lot of people that I know who are in long-term, kinky, you know, DS relationships refer to each other as boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, or, like, husband, wife, depending on where they're at in their relationship. My dom is also my girlfriend, you know? Like, it's, I'm, like, not even sure what to say because, like, in my world, it's, like, so normalized that, like, yeah, of course you can be someone's girlfriend and also be their sub at the same time. Like, there is, to me, there's nothing inherently contradictory in those two terms, but clearly to Anna, there is. And that's not really how that works most of the time. Like, they're not these two distinct types of relationship. Like, yes, you can be someone submissive without being their girlfriend. Yes, you can be someone's girlfriend without being their submissive, but there's like a Venn diagram situation going on here. Like, you can definitely be someone's girlfriend and they're submissive. You can go on dates and get tied up and spanked. Like, it's, it, it, like, once you get that into your head, it all just meshes so easily and, and she's still, like, we're almost at the end. We're almost a third of the way through this series and she still doesn't even understand that like, yes, this man can romantically love you and also want to dominate you. Yes, you can be his girlfriend and his submissive. There is no inherent conflict in those things. But But clearly, she is still seeing some kind of conflict, and that it also just, like, it's still, Christian's still not doing well enough at explaining this shit to her, clearly, because she still doesn't get it. And he's still, he's so, like, I mean, he's written by someone who is utterly not kinky, so of course he's not doing a good job of explaining this to her, right? Why would he? How could he? Oh yeah, page 458, there's this little exchange, because they're in a restaurant after, They go gliding, they're getting breakfast, and the waitress comes over and, of course, she's, like, totally, she, like, loses her mind because Christian's so hot. And also Christian and Anna are, like, extremely blatantly, like, flirting right in front of this stranger who is not paid nearly enough to deal with this shit. But anyway, so the waitress leaves and Anna says, you know, it's really not fair. Christian says, what's not fair? How you disarm people, women, me. Do I disarm you? I snort all the time. And, uh, in my notes here from my first time reading through this, this book, I say, didn't Bella and Edward have almost this exact same exchange at one point in the Twilight books? So I just wanted to point that out. That's like an extremely, like, yeah, this is definitely a Twilight fan fiction. Just extremely, extremely thinly veiled Twilight fan fiction. Gotta love it. Oh yes. Okay. This was one of my favorite moments in this year in this chapter. So, they're eating breakfast and Anna asks if she can pay for the breakfast. And Christian makes some comment about like, what? Do you want to like emasculate me? And like I just want to take a second and sit with that because it's such a common line that I hear from straight men, cishet men in straight dating culture that, like, a woman, the woman paying for their date is, like, emasculating because being the, the provider, the breadwinner, being able to provide financially for... Your woman is like so baked into masculinity in this culture that, yeah, I mean, you hear stories about like a lot of women will split the bill on a first date just so, again, there's not any expectation of, well, I provided my role as in paying for the date, now you get to provide your role as in sleeping with me, you know? So a lot of women will try to avoid that by splitting the bill on the first date. And uh, sometimes, dudes freak out about it and they, you know, they say it's emasculating, it's humiliating, it's blah blah blah. It's really not. First of all, as someone who has much more experience going on dates with queer people and in queer dynamics where it's not quite as, you know, socially prescribed of who's gonna pay for the date, Like, it's really no big deal if you split the bill, if you pay for the date, if the other person pays for the date. Like, it's all, you know, it's all just whatever. Maybe one of you pays for the dinner and the other one pays for the movie tickets later or whatever. It's not that, it's not that deep. It's not that big a deal. Second of all, this idea that so much of a man's masculinity rides on him being the provider, being the breadwinner, being the financial, you know, person in the relationship is so outdated it's so, like, obsolete in this day and age where so many women have jobs, so many women have been providing for themselves financially for so long, and also so many fucking jobs don't pay enough to actually, you know, have, like, a single income household and, you know, be able to afford anything anyway. Like, it's so, it's just a product of a bygone era, and it doesn't work anymore in this modern hell world that we find ourselves living in. It just doesn't work anymore anymore. And I've been seeing tweets and posts and all of that stuff from straight men who are saying, well, if women have jobs, why do they need us? And that's why I can't get a date because women have jobs now. And so they don't need me to be a breadwinner. And it's like, my dude, If all you're bringing to this relationship is your money, like, what's the point? Why would she want you? Like, exactly, why would she go on a date with you if you just are just bringing your wallet and your dick? Like, she can get a job, she can get a vibrator, she doesn't need you. And so I feel like it is, I mean, long past time, but it is especially time now to reframe what men bring to a relationship and how they think about what they bring to a relationship. Because what a lot of women are looking for in a relationship is companionship, is affection, and romance, and, you know, all of this other, like, intellectual and emotional stuff that cishet men are just not raised to have, You know, compassion, affection, emotional intelligence, all this shit. And, like, I see this mindset in Christian as well in amongst all the other bullshit that he has going on, he's also like, I'm gonna buy you things. I'm gonna buy you a car. I'm gonna buy you a really expensive laptop. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna insist, like, he literally does not let her pay for this meal, which is what started this whole rant, by the way, in case you forgot. He does not let her pay for this meal, like, at all, and, you know, he's like, he buys her clothes. He brings her to stay in his fancy-ass apartment and his fancy-ass hotel rooms and... That's just, it's, like, so important to him, and that's just all part of this, like, toxic masculinity of, like, he absolutely refuses to listen to her when she is trying to have a conversation about her, like, emotional needs in this relationship, and then he also refuses to listen to her when she talks about wanting to- to buy him a fucking breakfast once in a while because in his head, that's the role that he has. He's the man and he's fucking rich as shit. So why shouldn't he be the breadwinner? Why shouldn't he be the provider? It just keeps them on such uneven ground, which is not great (laughs) for a relationship. Like, no two people are ever going to be exactly equal, so you're never going to be able to exactly meet your partner, like, right where they are. But, you know, you can, you can let, bro, you, can let her buy you breakfast every so often. It's not gonna make your dick fall off, I promise. So yeah, fast forward, blah, 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 plot. She gets a phone call saying she got the job at one of the publishing companies that she interviewed at a few chapters ago. So yay, she's employed when she gets back from Georgia. Cool, good job. And then she gets another call from Christian who was supposed to have dinner with Anna and her mom and her stepdad that night, but he has a situation that has come up back in Seattle so pin in that, I'm sure we're gonna, you know, address that later, but for now he's being very cagey about it. He's not, you know, we don't know if it's a business situation or a personal situation or what, but it's a situation. So he's gone back to Seattle. We, we will catch up with him later. So then, of course, because, you know, they can't stop talking to each other for even five seconds, which, understandable. NRE is a hell of a drug. So they're emailing back and forth that evening after Christmas. Christian gets off his plane, and Christian says that Anna talks in her sleep and she has said something you know this the previous night when they were together in the hotel room she has said something that's highly interesting and anna wants to know what it is and page 470 christian says i'd rather hear you say the words that you uttered in your sleep when you're conscious that's why i won't tell you meaning he won't tell her what she said so that's another thing that's gonna have to be addressed later we don't know if she said that she loves him Or what, but it's something. And that's the chapter. Yeah, it was a long chapter, but it was a lot of just like the gliding date was a whole big part of it, and then there was plot stuff, so I feel like maybe I had a little less to say about it than usual. I don't know. Whatever. I'm sure we'll get back to big long rants eventually. In the meantime, that's where the chapter ends. Thank you so much for listening to my latest rant. My name is Lee. You can find my social media at allmylinks.com slash Lee C Artist. And you can find this podcast at allmylinks.com slash the curdled pod and patreon.com slash the curdled pod, where you can support the podcast monthly in return for some fun, exclusive content. And be sure to check the episode description for the spellings on all of those links. If you have questions, comments, concerns, or want to make a one-time donation not through Patreon, you can get in touch with me at curdledincpodcast at gmail.com. If you can't, don't want to, or don't feel comfortable supporting me monetarily, please rate and or leave a review on your podcatcher of choice or tell a friend write a social media post, whatever you want to do. I'm bonking everything. Whatever you want to do to spread the word about this humble podcast would be so much appreciated. The logo for this podcast is by Reese Jones at TearlessRainArt.tumblr.com. And one more thing that I want to talk about before I say my final few lines, I wanted to give a shout out to a friend of the pod, a podcast friend of the pod, if you will. My friends Austin and Beverly host a podcast podcast called Andalite Bandits. It's another kind of literary media critique podcast of a very different stripe. They are talking about the Animorphs book series and also the TV show, because I guess that was the thing, and all of the, like, spinoffs and all of that, you know, all kinds of Animorphs content. So if you, like me, had a brief phase of, or maybe even a not-so-brief phase of devouring the Animorphs books, go check it out. It's a good time. And also very not a good time because they get into some really heavy themes that it turns out are in this series of children's books. Each episode of their podcast is one book in the series, and they're both, like, super smart and great at, like, picking apart all of these themes in the books. It's a good time, like I said, and also I may or may not be guesting on an episode at some point in the near future, so if you want to get caught up before that happens. Andalite Bandits on all of the podcatcher apps, patreon.com slash Podcast. They have all their social media stuff, you know, in in their episode descriptions. Go check all that out. And until next time, remember your rack. That's risk-aware consensual kink. this isn't even the part i want to read (laughs) haha never mind pay for the for the meal for both of them what am i saying (laughs) having big thoughts i'm trying to formulate them um my name is lee you can find my non-sex work nope